In the 80s, I was invited to join um, hundreds of other community activists around the country um, in the fight to get Superfund reauthorized. And again, Superfund is the law or the law that gives the money to clean up the worst hazardous waste sites in the country. Um, I was invited by a national organization that had heard my story, had heard about my son, and wanted me to come together with them in Washington and uh, talk to the EPA. I had never been a speaker. As a matter of fact, when I did a press conference with my neighbor locally, um, we called all the press to come to the house, but I had no idea how to do a press conference, and so I just kind of stood there, and I said, what do, what do I do next? I said to them, they're all standing there with cameras, and they said, just talk. Well, that was the beginning. But it's different talking to people like that locally in your neighborhood and people when you're on a nas in a national forum so we were at this meeting with the EPA and people were lining up to the microphones to tell their stories and I just could not believe that the pollution was that bad in our country how could it get like this how could it destroy lives and kill children and make people sick I just it was beyond me and um, I'll never forget there was a little boy that pushed his seat up to the microphone and stood up on the chair so he could reach it to talk and he said hi my name is so-and-so and I'm from New Bedford Harbor I don't want to get cancer please you know, do something. I don't want to get cancer. And I just, I was bawling. It was so hard to listen to these people getting up and talking about their struggles with contamination in their drinking water or in their neighborhood. like having contaminated water. My um, older children would fall off their seat at the dinner table, would walk into the wall like they were drunk, and would cry when I bathed them in the water. I was temporarily blinded. I woke up one morning and I couldn't see. My husband at the time had severe asthma attacks and one he had to go to the hospital in a rescue unit rashes we all had rashes my cat had kittens had two kittens one of them was born with all of its organs on the outside of the body and the other one had no fur looked kind of like a seal It was a scary, scary time for us. It was a nightmare. I would never, ever wish on anybody. 
So when I got up to hear the stories or to talk at the microphone about my story and then heard the stories of the other people, it brought back all the pain that I felt at the time. And it just propelled me. And I went on for 20 years. Is it any wonder that the unicorn dream that I had would mean so much in terms of my spiritual growth and my um, ability to get up in the national forum and to be fighting mad and want to do something about all this? Is it any wonder? I would like to share some of the things that I found in research, in writing, and we'll give you a better idea. The unicorn is a kindred race bound to us in love and service. He points the way. He guards the gate. He waits until the end. Behold, an age shall come when science shall darken everywhere the hopes of men. Chariots of iron shall roll the land, which shall grow hard and barren to bear their weight. The air shall be filled with the clamor of many voices. Unknown plagues and sicknesses shall arise. The sphere of the moon shall bear the booted heels of man. Two mighty kingdoms will contend for all the world and turn against it until the soil and the sea shall sicken and the wind become a flux of poisoned vapors. Then in the great time, then in the time of great purification, will the unicorn return in strength lingering at the margins of our realm to seed our minds with dreams of a brighter age to come. And many shall hunger to see him in his true shape. But being a spiritual creature, the unicorn must conform himself to the images held in the hearts of those who call him forth. And there shall be so many ill-formed and conflicting ideas as to his nature that he can hardly find a way to satisfy them all. And continuing, and by the way, this is from Magna Lucius's journal, it's called. Yet there is no ordinary, this is no ordinary obsession, for my thoughts bring me a rare tranquility, almost a joy. I seem to catch sight of this truth, the unicorn is not the true center of the mystery, for although this creature is most manifestly sensible and corporal, yet at the same time I know he's a kind of sign, a portent. The unicorn is a creature of the golden age, which to his proper home, which is his proper home, but as the enduring friend of man, Often he joins us in exile, for he can cross the threshold of the ages. And when he departs from us, he does not disappear. He simply passes through a portal. Then I asked, may we pass through these portals also? Indeed, the blessed Eunostus replied, no man can regain the paradise from whence he came except that he journey back across those realms. Yea, many have passed therein. Their gates are never far, though the realms are artfully concealed with finer within the coarser, and each entrance is a 
riddle difficult to discover without the proper guide. For some, the unicorn serves as guide. After the noon meal, the blessed Gnostus called me to his chamber. He asked me why I supposed there existed no true accounts of the unicorn and answered himself, saying, The unicorn is not drawn to clerics and philosophers like ourselves, but rather to the useful and innocent. Then Eugnosis smiled, as if amused, saying, But I see some special destiny has singled out thee to do this work. And continuing, O reader, if thou art neither scribe nor sacrificer, cast not thy gaze upon this book for it contains secret teachings, useful only to the few and troubling to the many. And if thou seekest only mere amusement, read no further. But if thou art an earnest pilgrim on the path of life, then open, read, and ponder. And this is in regards to the first unicorn. Thus did the unicorn possess the brightness of the light, that he may drive all darkness and obscurity from him. He was called a Salem, of unicorns the firstborn, a creature fearfully wrought and wonderful to behold, bearing a, bearing a born of spiral light that is the sign of Galgalim, the guide. Now with his horn, a Salem struck a barren rock, piercing it to a great depth and drew forth a gushing spring of life. Wherever those waters flowed, fires were quenched, and the earth was made fertile with a multitude of fruitful things. Great trees rose up and blossomed, and under their shade came beasts, both wild and lame. All this was by the intent of the Holy One, and the unicorn was the instrument of his will. In such a way was formed the garden of the unicorn, called Shemagim, which means the place where there is water. On the very day when the unicorn drew forth from barren rock a gushing spring of life, the seeds of doom were sown as well. For even as those shining waters spread their fertile moisture, they poured into unlighted fissures and trickled down to secret burning caverns that wound among the mountain's roots. I'm reading, I'm skipping through, not reading the entire book. Of course, that would take forever. Um, the Avarim, among the seven houses of unicorn, now chiefly know the Avarim, for they are the most common in our world and most concerned with our affairs. Stewards of them, uh, they have healing duties. Also is the unicorn drawn to springs, places where rivers find their sources of all locations. He most prefers those secret chambers sometimes created by nature behind a waterfall. There's some beautiful pictures in here and writings in, I think they're Latin, but I can't decipher those. The unicorn has a singular virtue. He can penetrate our dreams 
and there address us. Therefore, take heed, O dreamer, when the unicorn appears to thee. Though his speech is unlike any tongue of man, yet shalt thou comprehend. O man, regard the unicorn with awe. When thou gazest into his eyes, gird thyself, for he knows all the history of our race, and his unbroken memories reach back across the darkness of the years to vast and powerful dominions, now utterly undone by fate and time. Know that the earth has changed her face. Lands have slipped beneath the waves of the sea. Rivers have not been faithful to their courses, nor mountains steadfast in their shapes. If thou wouldst know these things that went before, seek thou the spiral horn. He points the way, he guards the gate, he waits until the end. So on and on there's mention of things that spoke to me and that had a lot of meaning to me. Who calms the seas and settles the storm? Only he, the unicorn, will bear. Then security and great peace descended upon me, for I saw my fate would come. I did not need to seek it out and needed only follow that bold and shining horn and not trouble myself where it should lead. My understanding of the unicorn deepened, and my heart entered many things that had before escaped my notice. And this is one that amongst us walk many men and women who secretly delight in the companionship of the holy beast. Often they are wanderers of people of simple station, dreamy-eyed, always considerate, but somehow shy. They care for little things, the little things of the world. In times of danger or unwavering mental concentration, the horn can display a certain glimmer or soft glow. Then, in a separate reading, a separate, another book that I had that has different readings in it, one of the sections says, the horn is used against poison. And people say the other animals wait until this one comes and dips its horn in the water before they will drink. That was written by Marmo Caravaggio, 1573. Beautiful, beautiful pictures in here. I wish podcasts could show pictures. This book has gotten a lot of use, by the way. It's pretty worn. This unicorn is Christ, whose might, typified by its horn, is irresistible. Jewish unicorns, particularly faithful to the law, were the ascendants of Mary and her son, the only begotten of God. Um, And that, you know, that just is so weird to me. My dream where the unicorn turned and it was the Christ child. And there's reference in this book to our Lord Jesus Christ being the spiritual unicorn. That was written in the ninth century by someone named Physiologus, so just.
Here's a writing by John of Hesse in 1499. Near the field of Helion, there's a river called Mara, the water of which is very bitter, into which Moses struck his staff and made the water sweet so the children of Israel might drink. And even in our times, it is said, venomous animals poison the water after the setting of the sun so that good animals cannot drink of it. But in the morning after the sunrise comes a unicorn and dips his horn in the stream, driving the poison from it so that the good animals can drink there during the day. This I have seen myself. Reference by Palmarius Constantius, uh, talking about against all poisons and malignant evils. Anyway, I was hoping to give a good idea of the things that I read afterwards. And you might know by listening the meaning of my dream. In that 20 years of environmental justice activism, I met with hundreds of community people, sometimes meeting on site and getting sick myself, testing water, meeting with military people, sometimes on base, meeting with tribal representatives, meeting with mothers, with fathers, meeting with chemical company officials. And I, I do believe in my heart that it was the memory and the meaning of my son and, um, and how just in two days of his life equaled 20 years of change. We passed laws, we empowered people. It's just tremendous, tremendous feeling to have been a part of all that.